Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. I'm Henry Chisholm, and we're finally here. This is the Alamo Bowl preview podcast. Um, there have been a bunch of short ones because it's been Christmas, and there haven't been like a whole bunch of like great things that we've learned um, over the course of the last week. Um, but today's the day where we're going to go through all of my Texas notes, and uh, talk about what Carl Durrell had to say today. There is some news there. Um, I don't think there's any good news. Um, but we'll, we'll get through all that. And that's kind of the plan for today. Talk about the Alamo Bowl, what that means, what's going to happen, uh, why Colorado could win or could lose and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. Also, uh, I should say, this is like Monday afternoon. We will be doing a post-game show after the Arizona game, uh, the Arizona-Colorado basketball game tonight. That game is at 7.30. That means it should end at like 9.30. And then I guess around 10, um, I'll be talking with RK and Ben about what happened. So tune into that on the DMVR Buffs Twitter account or on the DNVR YouTube account, or if you aren't in a rush and you're going to need something to do tomorrow, well, there will be an audio version that will be in your podcast feed within a couple hours of that ending tonight. So stay tuned for that. Oh, there, sh- there will also be a post game for the Alamo Bowl. Um, same thing, me, Ben, RK, should be starting like 15 minutes probably after the conclusion of the game. And hopefully we'll be able to finish the football season on a high note. So those are all the notes. That's what to expect in the next couple of days. And um, I guess it's probably time to dig in. But first, a message from Green Mountain Dental Group. Green Mountain Dental is the place to go for all of your dental needs. They do great work. They get great reviews. It's a family-owned business. Um, They're huge Colorado sports fans. And it's also located conveniently just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver in Lakewood. So make a trip out there. Your teeth will thank you. Um, And if you do that and you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. It's a great deal. Make sure you take advantage. Uh, Those toothbrushes are very, very good toothbrushes. So don't waste the opportunity. All right. Um... Wow, I guess I never really considered where I should start here. Um, I mean, I guess I'll start with, I mean, just why I'm so excited about this game. I mean, obviously this is huge. Um, Texas is a name brand program. A lot of Texas fans out there, even in Montana, like like there are only a few teams that people are fans of in Montana. Like I, I, I remember seeing a little bit of Texas gear occasionally, um, I knew, well, I I barely even knew him, but there was like one guy whose kid went to high school with me who was an Alabama fan. Um, I don't even remember. Oh, when I was in junior high, there was somebody who was a USC fan. But like, that's that's what we're talking about. Like, there there aren't like huge college football legions outside of Montana. Everybody's a Montana or Montana State fan. Um, But, you know... When you live in somewhere like that, where you don't see, like, there are no niche fan bases. Like, there isn't, you don't even see, like, a Michigan State fan walking around. You definitely don't see anybody from, like, Iowa, Nebraska, or fans of those sorts of teams at all, at, ever. Um, but you do see, like, the occasional, like, USC, occasional 
Alabama, occasional Texas. Um, oh, Notre Dame. I, I did know a Notre Dame fan. You know, there, there just isn't a huge college football presence. And so those few logos that you do see become like the definition of college football. And, and it's different in places like, like Denver, for example. Um, you do obviously have the local fans, but you do see a lot more depth in terms of like where people are going but there still is like this tinge of extra Longhorns fans just because Texas is such a big name program um and because it's such a big name program you know there are a lot of people watching and the opportunity for Colorado to play in front of a lot of people is just huge at this point because people don't see Colorado and tune into the game you know, for me, when I go through and I want to watch games, like there are the teams that are ranked and those are teams that you generally want to see. But even like if it's a Louisiana or it's a one of those sorts of teams, a Tulsa, you're like, ah, I'll probably just flip over to, I mean, for me, I watched like three, four Texas games at the beginning of the season just because they were on. And it's easy to justify that as one of the three best games on at that time, if that makes sense. Because for me, like, college football Saturday, up until the Buffs play, obviously, is, like, whatever your favorite game is on the TV, and that's probably a ranked matchup. And then you have your laptop and iPad, and you got different games on both of those. And of the top three games, the Texas game is generally in there just because it's an interesting team to watch and because you know it's a part of the national storyline of the college football season. And so for Colorado to be in front of this many people at a time when they aren't seen as a must-watch program, um, just because they haven't proven it recently, um, they, they haven't had many good seasons. You know, one run to an Alamo Bowl isn't, isn't enough to put you on the map. Now, two in five years? Yeah, I guess, no, not, not really that either. But this could be the start of something for Colorado. If, if they can pull this off, um, if they make it back to the postseason next year, and, and not, don't just like sneak in, not like a six and six, wow, we made it to the postseason. Um, but like, you know, winning eight games and, and getting yourself into a game that people want to see, playing another big opponent. You know, once you string a couple of those together, then all of a sudden you are on the map. And then all of a sudden, like you, you start to say, well, if you pull one upset, two upsets, well, then all of a sudden, there's a decent chance you finish in the top 25, you know? And, and it's just taking these steps every single year. And they did take a big step this year. It's even bigger if they can capitalize on it because this is the game that will be seen by more fans than any other game that Colorado played this year because it's Texas because it's the only game that's going to be on at the time and because it's going to be a national broadcast during primetime huge opportunity huge opportunity and if Colorado can compete with Texas people will see Colorado differently because Texas competed with Iowa State com competed with Oklahoma State a lot of really good football teams and People don't think that Colorado is that good because, you know, Colorado, because of the way the Pac-12 shifted things and changed the schedules, they really benefited from that. You know, that, that, that meant that Oregon was no longer on their schedule. That meant that Colorado also, because of weird things that happened, didn't have to play Arizona State or USC, the two best teams in the Pac-12 South. And when all of that stuff happens... It's easy to doubt them, and especially if you're looking for a reason to doubt a team like Colorado. And I think that's where a lot of the country is still, just because CU hasn't proven it in a really, really long time. Um, getting a win like this essentially just validates everything that happened this season. If you get blown out, then people are going to say, well, yeah, congrats on finishing your season 4-2 and two with your wins against San Diego State and Arizona, and UCLA, and Stanford. A couple of those are decent teams, a couple of them aren't, and you also lost to the two good teams you played. And calling Utah a good team, you know, it's fair, I guess, but that is the borderline of what a good team is. Um, and so that, that's where the buffs are. Again, though, you beat Texas, 
it it means that that five and one record is for real because you have a good win. You you finish the season ranked most likely because Texas is ranked twentieth right now. Uh, it, it is a huge opportunity for Colorado, and I mean, there's there's you could keep going for hours. We could do a full podcast just on why this is important for Colorado. I mean, even think about the fact that. Texas is one of the biggest recruiting grounds for the Pac-12, which obviously includes Colorado. And Colorado has only played there once since 2009. Playing in the same state that you're trying to recruit is huge. Winning those games, looking good in those games at the very least, is even better. This will be the second time, and this is all according to the notes that CU sent out, in, in the last 11 years that this has happened. Don't let it go to waste. Don't let it go to waste. Um, so those are just some of my thoughts that I've had. And um, I guess let's just dig in. I'm trying to figure out where to start. Let's start with what Carl Durrell had to say today. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit more about Texas after. Um, there was some news, like I said. Um Brady Russell tried really hard to get ready to go for Saturday, but Carl said he isn't 100%. They're not going to risk hurting him, um, and so he will not be playing this week. That's too bad. Uh, Would have really liked to have seen Brady Russell on the field again because he, when he was on the field, was one of their best offensive players. Um, Levante Chenault, who was posting on social media that he was at Visca's game yesterday, um, to that, that, I mean, that really confused a lot of Buffs fans. Like, how are you supposed to be playing at the game in Texas? Well, what happened was um, apparently he was suspended for um, violation of department policy, according to Carl Durrell. Um, he was with the team through last Wednesday. Then that happened, and now he can't go to the bowl. Um, we don't know why he was suspended, but Mitchell Byers of the Daily Camera went through some court records and found that Vonte was or was supposed to have a court date on December 23rd and did not go to that court date. That would have been last Tuesday. So if he was with the team through Wednesday, you know that timeline kind of makes some sense. Um, worth noting, though, that that is not a court date for the DUI that he got over the summer. Um, it's a court date for a separate incident, um, that, uh, let's see, what was it? Here it is. Um, oh, careless driving in Douglas County. So that's going on. That could be why, um, shout again to Mitchell Byers of the daily camera for figuring that out. Point is no Levante, your starting receiver, against Texas. Um, on the depth chart, they have Daniel Arias as the number two at Brendan, or not Brendan's spot, at Levante's spot, and they have Brendan as the number three at that spot. I'd say that those two, uh, Brendan and Daniel, will just split the reps that Vontae would have had, and um, we'll see how it goes. Um, This will be the first time since week one that Colorado will have its entire starting offensive line. This is the original line. Carl was pretty excited about it. I'm excited about it. Um, and we'll see how that goes. Um, I would anticipate that it goes pretty well. Um, any, any real news here? Oh, um, Carl wants to get Brendan Lewis into this game. That's a very exciting note. Um, but he said essentially like we'd really like to get him a series or so at some point in the first half, hopefully. And so be on the lookout for that. Um, we haven't seen Brendan Lewis at all this season. So if he got to play, that would be pretty cool to see who knows what that's going to look like. You know, if he comes in and doesn't play well and it's a tied game or something like that, and then Texas goes down the field and scores, it's going to be a pretty tough look for the coaching staff. Um, but you know, he said he was excited about Brendan, uh, and you know, I'm I'm excited about it too. So we'll see. They said he's earned it. Um, he's looked good in practice. So again, that's something to pay attention to. Um, I think that those were the biggest notes. 
Um, you know, they, they got down to Texas a couple days before Texas got to San Antonio. They got, I mean, what a weird way to say that, but that's what happened. Um, they've gotten two practices and then a walkthrough today in down there. Carl said that the change of scenery was great. Um, he thinks that really helped the team out, and uh, he thinks that they are prepared. Good stuff to hear. Uh, they went to Top Golf yesterday. He was impressed by how good a, a bunch of the players were. Um, they have had a couple of COVID nineteen tests come back positive, um, but he doesn't think that it's it's nearly bad enough for them to have to hold out from the game or anything like that. Um, still have plenty of numbers. He also talked a little bit about bringing the game ball to Peggy. Um, if you guys haven't seen it, you guys should go look for that video. I think Rick George tweeted it out. Um, but essentially the, the game ball from Carl Durrell's first win as Colorado's head coach, the game against UCLA. Um, he and Rick brought it over to Peggy. He gave us a couple more details there. Um, he said, you know, it was his wife's idea to do it. He thought about it. He talked to Rick about it. Rick thought about it and they agreed that it was a good thing to do. Um, they didn't tell her that they were going there. Uh, they kind of just showed up and gave her the ball and uh, it's a pretty cool story. And Carl said that he wanted to show her how important the Twins are to Colorado. Um, they wanted her to believe just how important she is to us. Um, yeah, that was uh, a little bit of backstory there. Um, a really great thing to do. Um, he also talked about going uh, six for six with the bowl games, had a great answer. Um, he said... I guess that is a pretty good thing, but there are some bigger picture items in mind that are more significant. I talked about things being measured by championships and how they haven't been in that arena or how he personally hasn't been in that arena as often as he would like um, competing for championships. He said that's what's driving him. They want the college football playoff. Um, they have a lot of work to do, but he, think, he thinks they're making progress. Um, yeah, I mean, really just hammered home the idea that this is a team that he wants to be competing for the not just the Pac-12 championships, but appearances in New Year's Six Bowls and college football playoff spots, that kind of thing. Um, and I don't think there's any reason to think he can't do it. He said a couple of other things. We're going to save those for when we're talking about those topics. Um, before we get into Texas and all that, let's talk real quick about Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge does great work. They make incredible beers. Um, I really like the Strawberry Sky. I've got a bunch of Avalanche Amber Ale in the fridge. Might have to have a couple of those tonight while we're watching some basketball. Just really good beers. And it's also a Colorado company, uh, so you can feel good drinking them. Um, they, they have the farmhouse open right now as part of their campus down in Littleton um, where they brew all the beer, where they do all sorts of different things. They have concerts, all that stuff. Um, but right now they have an ice skating rink set up, and it's, it's really cheap to go skate. You can rent skates. You can bring your own skates. It's actually free to use the tubing hill. Um, really just a, a, a really great place to safely spend some time during the pandemic and of course they do have outdoor dining so you can eat you can drink all that kind of stuff um, not a bad place to spend a day also want to give a shout out to our friends over at msu denver online uh if you're trying to go back to school or if you're in school and you're realizing well everything's online anyway why don't i just go to an online school or you know honestly whatever situation you're in considering more education is never a bad thing, um, and that's what MSU Denver wants you to do because whenever there is some crazy economic thing that's happened, like right now with the pandemic, with all the crashes, with the housing, all, all the crazy economic things, the people who have survived have not survived, but, you know, thrived, I guess is a better word, have been the people who've gotten more education because it's they make it easy for you to change career fields or make yourself more competitive in your own career field, whatever. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. 
MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. And again, that could be you. If you want more information about MSU Denver online, you can go to msudenver.com online to check out the 40 plus online and hybrid programs that can get you a degree or the 700 plus courses that you can take on your path to that degree or just because you're interested in the content. Uh, so much great stuff at MSU Denver online. And like I said, go to msudenver.com online for more information. All right. Um, here's what to expect from Texas. So as usual, I did what I always do when getting ready to preview the opponent, watch a couple games. Like I said, I've already seen a couple games, um, go through all the pro football focus stats and see who they like and who they don't like and what's working and what isn't working. Um, read up on what all the Texas reporters are saying and what's going on on Reddit and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Listen to the podcast and then boil it all down into 15 minutes or so. That's what we're doing next. And there's a lot to talk about. And I think that before we go through like the numbers and all that kind of stuff, what's most important to talk about, I think, is Sam Ellinger. He's the quarterback at Texas. He's been the quarterback for a few years now. He's a senior. Um, and now he's in like a tough situation where he needs to decide, is he going to the draft or because he has this extra year of eligibility, is he going to spend another year in college football? Um, that is like the hot topic right now in Texas. That and whether their head coach, Tom Herman, gets fired. Um, and I, maybe we should talk a little bit. You know, Tom Herman has been successful. Like, like you look at the numbers and they're numbers that just about any program would be happy with. Would Texas be happy with them? That's another thing because they see themselves as one of the blue bloods, one of the top tier programs and they haven't quite been to that level they're they're consistently up in the top 25 but they're not consistently really anywhere near the the top of it so that's what's going on he's been there for six years he's been very successful at least by more regular standards you know they've won four straight bowl games um they've they've actually won five games in a row against colorado um, but I mean, six and three this year, eight and five last year, um, 10 and four the year before, um, seven and six in Tom Herman's first year. I mean, it's, it hasn't been bad. They've been ranked in every season. Um, they've been ranked at the end of the season twice, once in the top 10. Um, they've been ranked in the top 10 in three of his four years. I think I said six earlier. This has him as only four years. I must've misread one of these notes. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's not bad stuff. It's not bad. Um, it's just that Texas has really high standards. Uh, when you look at him compared to all the best coaches at Texas in Texas history, I mean, he's right up there in wins, in all of that sort of stuff, which is pretty crazy to think about because um, it is Texas. They've been playing football for 119 years. So that's what's going on there. Sam Ellinger has some tough decisions going on, but he really is this team. Like, when you look at what Texas is, it is just Sam Ellinger. And he's a really fun football player to watch. You know, he, he isn't perfect by any means. He's, he's missing some of the traits that I think a lot of the NFL prospect type of quarterbacks typically have. But he is their entire offense. Everything they do offensively is based on Sam. Um, so much power running, so much passing obviously puts the ball in his hands. It really is just an offense that is built to put the ball in Sam Ellinger's hands, whether it's in read options, whether it's just design quarterback runs, whether it's throwing the ball downfield. He is this team and how he does kind of decides how the team does. You know, he he's had a whole bunch of remarkable moments in his career. So many last minute comebacks, um, a couple of comebacks from double-digit deficits this season. They played three overtime games this season. I mean, you, you think about, like, what Tim Tebow was in the NFL, and that's kind of what Sam Ellinger is in college football, except just a little bit better. You know, he, he isn't a 500 quarterback who's winning a bunch of games late. He's a he's a 800 quarterback, or close to 800 quarterback. Uh, that might be a stretch. Who's winning a bunch of games late. And... 
that is really what this team is all about. Um, and honestly, I mean, when Carl, Carl was asked today, does the talent level at Texas, how, how does it compare to the Pac-12? And what he said was, honestly, when you look at that team, the talent level is very similar to what we have faced in the Pac-12. The difference is the quarterback. They have a quarterback that is better than any quarterback we've seen this year. He's dynamic. He can do a bunch of different things. He's a veteran. He has a bunch of experience. And that provides a challenge that we just haven't seen so far this season. That is how I feel like we need to set the stage for this Texas team. Is that this is potentially the last run for this Sam Ellinger, uh, Tom Herman duo that is defined this era of Texas football. And they're going to want to go out on top. Um, you know, Sam is limited, like I said. Not not super limited. Obviously, he's an NFL prospect. But he, he does rely a lot on the middle of the field because the arm strength hitting the ball the outside, the, the zip that you need to consistently do that, you know, he doesn't necessarily have that. Sam Neuer has a little bit more of an electric arm than Sam Ellinger does. Sam knows how to use his arm just a little bit better and he makes some better decisions and he hits on some long balls and he doesn't turn the ball over much and he provides just about as much as a runner. This is going to be an interesting matchup. Um, he's going to take six or seven deep shots. The, the deep shots again in the middle of the field are the ones you're really scared of. That's where he's been really successful. Um, but it's going to be a test for Colorado's corners because you know that he is going to show you that he can complete passes down the field and hope that that makes you sit back and open things up underneath, not just to throw the ball, but also to run the ball. Um, they like a lot of 11 personnel. They like to, to increase the tempo, to move quickly, go hurry up, no huddle, and, and force the defense to sit back on its heels. I, uh, I don't know how it's going to go. I mean, Sam Ellinger could throw for 400 yards. And if that happens, you say, yep, he's, a, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country, um, both from a college football standpoint, or as Carl Durrell said, from a pro prospect standpoint. And that's what the Buffs are up against, and it's a challenge that they haven't faced yet. You know, even if they had played a, a Keaton Slovis or a Jaden Daniels, those guys aren't on Sam Ellinger's level. I, I think that within a couple of years, both of them will be to this level. But as of right now, they just don't have the complete package that Sam Ellinger has. Because what Sam has that they don't is just that experience. He knows how to win games. He's been in really close games. He's, he's led drives that have won his team games or forced overtime where he's won games. He's an electric quarterback. He's put together a bunch of those moments that make a quarterback stick in the memories of the fans. You know, that, that's one of the things that Steven Montez was missing. You know, there weren't a lot of games that you point back to and say, wow, that's a Colorado hero right there. Because he didn't quite live up to the moment in, in those situations. You know, if Sam does it in this game and Sam does it a couple times next year, then, then he does all of a sudden become a, a key figure in Colorado football history. And that's what Sam Ellinger is right now. And even though it is a very long, very storied history for Texas, he's done a lot of things that are going to make him remembered. And I think he's trying to do one more when he plays the buffs tomorrow. Now he could come back for another year. You know, he already accepted the senior bowl invite. And so some Texas fans are saying, well, that means he's gone. This is his best opportunity with all the uncertainty with the coaching staff. Is he really going to come back and try to go through that? I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen except for maybe Sam. And what scares me is that he could be seeing this as his last game as a Longhorn. And when it comes down to it, he can go win them this game. So those are a bunch of my Sam Ellinger thoughts. And uh, I will say that I'm excited to watch him. I'm really excited to watch him. Um, you know, just to give kind of like an overview of this team, I, uh, so the way that pro football focus does it, I don't really like their grades where they just say like, here's how we rate you based on how we measure every single play that you played just because it is very subjective and you can make mistakes and 
I think that sometimes the bigger name guys and maybe the bigger name schools kind of get overweighted just a little bit um, because everybody's biased. And so while I don't really love the grades, it is a unique thing that for people who don't watch a lot of Texas football can at least in broad terms put this team into perspective. Um, and what they do is they grade it's like 10 different grades that they give out in terms of like the overall team grades that's based on all the player grades and all that. But, but here's what pro football focus has to say as an overall team, they have them graded out as number 46, not quite the number 20 that the college football playoff decided. Um, but from there, you know, the offensive grade is a 40 defense is 47 within that offensive grade. When they're passing, it's number 32. Pass blocking is number 24. Receiving, 72. Interesting note. Keep that in mind. That's a low number, and we're going to talk about that more in a second. Running is 67. Run blocking is 28. Separate grades, one for the, the, the ability of the running back, obviously one for the ability of the blockers. Um, Colorado's actually in a pretty similar situation in terms of their running and run block grade. I didn't write down the run block grade, um, but the running grade is 66 right next to Texas. Um, similar teams in a lot of ways. Um, and then defensively, like I said, 47 overall grade, 47th, I guess it's more of a ranking than a grade now that I think of it. But um, the run defense is a 28. The pass rush is a 28. The coverage is a 90. And here's the interesting one. Tackling, 114. Special teams, also 102. Not impressed by those. And these are all have 130 FBS teams, by the way. So, just as an overview of the strengths and the weaknesses, there you go. Um, when you look a little bit deeper at this offense, there are some question marks. Some really, really massive question marks um and we're gonna start with those the biggest question marks start with the receivers um you know they have brennan eagles who's a really good deep threat he makes a lot of plays downfield he's also their most consistent receiver across the board I and mean, you look at what texas has done passing the ball he's been really their only consistent option um, 17 players have caught a pass this season. Nine have caught double-digit passes. Again, it's a 12-game season, so that's basically one catch a game for nine players. Um, did I say 12-game? I meant nine-game. I can't remember what I said. Um, so a, a, a catch a game for those guys, for nine different players. Um, and then in seven of their nine games, they've had seven players record a catch. They're really spreading the ball around, and the reason is they don't have great receivers um outside of brendan eagles who i've been really impressed with all year um what is most notable about this group which remember the in terms of just receivers this season they're ranked 72nd by the pro football focus what's interesting though is that brendan eagles the best receiver the best deep threat and most consistent receiver opted out of this game. So he's not even going to be a factor. And it means that there are going to be a whole lot of question marks about who's even going to be on the field, honestly. Um, Tariq Black was supposed to be a, a key guy for Texas this year, but Eagles beat him out in camp. He was a grad transfer. Uh, Tariq Black was. And, you know, now that Eagles is out, Tariq Black should take that job. Really don't know what to expect in that much work from him. Um, there are a couple of guys, you know, Jake Smith has put up pretty good numbers as a slot receiver. He hasn't lived up to the hype or the expectations so far this season, um, especially down the stretch, but, but he's a shifty slot receiver. He's very fast, um, similar in some ways to Britton Covey, who we saw with Utah. Um, although he hasn't been quite as effective, I'd take Covey over Jake Smith for sure. Um, yeah. Um, also, I mean, just, just a guy who gets a lot of the third down targets, um, late game targets, um, somebody to keep an eye on for sure. Um, but he in general has kind of been a disappointment along with Jordan Whittington. So many guys, um, that just haven't lived up to expectations right there. And Sam Ellinger has really put the team on his back for this to be as much of a, as productive of a passing offense as it has been without having much for key guys outside of Brendan Eagles. You know, Josh Moore has been the number two. He's the one guy you know is just going to be 
out there this week. Um, a lot of question marks with his receivers, and that really does help Colorado out. At the same time, if you're throwing the ball deep, Colorado's shown that they can get called for some pass interference penalties and that sort of thing. And that's something that Texas has kind of lived off of when going deep because they haven't been like overly efficient. It's just that they, they're all right at it, and they know that if they show that they are willing to do it, then the defense has to defend against it. Again, it's the middle of the field at every level that the Buffs really need to watch out for against Sam Ellinger. That's where that that veteran savvy just pays off. You're so used to seeing things. You're no longer like missing linebackers, missing safeties, that sort of thing when you've been watching or playing football as long as he has. Um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. Um what else do we know? Well, let's talk about the running game, I guess. So Bijan Johnson has been, or Robinson, sorry, Bijan Robinson has been um, their bell cow. I guess that's that's probably fair this season. Um, and he does really like to run the ball at the middle. He is fairly explosive too. Um, but what they really like to do is pound the rock up the middle with him. And actually when looking at the numbers, the way that Texas runs the ball is very similar to San Diego state. Um, you'll remember during San Diego state week, how much time I spent talking about how when they're running the football, it's either running straight ahead through the a gaps or running at the edges, running outside. It's one or the other. And it almost has the effect of being like similar to a triple option offense in a way where they're, they're going to hit you where you aren't expecting it. And, and, it's, it's almost like playing efficiency ball where, you know, in the NBA, that means you take layups, you take three-pointers, you stay away from the mid-range. When it comes to running the football in this way, it means you're either running straight ahead up the middle or you're running to the outside. You're not really messing around with what's in between because then if, if they're packing the middle, maybe they can still get out there. If they're overloading the outside so that you don't get around them on the edge, then maybe they can still get inside and get you there. It's pretty simple. If you have a lot of guys in the middle, they're going to go outside. If you have a lot of guys outside, they're going to go up the middle. And the same is true for Sam Ellinger. Um, he's a power runner. He's he's fast as well, and he can make guys miss, and he's elusive, all those things. But he is a power runner. And what you're really watching for is those A-gaps and those edges. And if you can get those held down, you should be in pretty good shape against this running game. Um, especially... Because there were two other opt-outs on offense. Actually, I guess one opt-out and one injury. Um, but Samuel Cosme has opted out. He's a likely first-round pick at, at left tackle. He's not going to be playing. That opens a lot of things up for Carson Wells. And that, as a Buffs fan, should make you very, 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 very excited. Um, they also had their center... Let's see. I have it in my notes here. I can't remember his name. Uh... Oh, come on. Oh, there we go. Um, Derek Kerstetter, uh, he is hurt, and he won't be playing either. Um, so, again, they like to run the ball at the edges. They like to run the ball at the middle, straight ahead. Well, guess what? Their center's gone, and so is their their tackle, who is one of the best anywhere. Um, that opens things up uh, for Jalen Sami. And actually, here's another interesting note. Right now on the Buffs' depth chart, Jalen Sami is listed as a co-starter with Janaz Jordan at nose tackle. And I think that that says more about Janaz Jordan than it does about Jalen Sami. Um, so maybe you go really heavy and really load up the inside, kind of ho hoping that that makes up for the loss of Nate Landman, um, which, I mean, the loss of Nate Landman, I don't know how to put it in perspective. You know, would you rather have Kerstetter and Cosme back as well as Nate Landman back on defense, if you're a Buffs fan? I don't think so. Um, what about if it's just they get Kerstetter back, the Buffs get Landman back? I think you definitely do that. If it's Osai, I still think you probably do that if you're the Buffs. Um, if it's both, I don't think so. Um, but it is. it does feel better knowing if you're a Buffs fan that really... Te Texas is down their best players outside of Ellinger. Um, you know, e Ellinger was a second team All-Big 12 right behind Brock Purdy. Um, 
Kerstetter, I believe, was second team All Big 12. Um, Cosme was first team All Big 12. And I'm pretty sure that's all for um, first and second team offensive players. I guess I, I'm pretty sure Big 12 lists a kicker's offense, and they have the second team kicker. Um, so there's that too. Um, but then you also have uh, defensively, they have, um, let's see. Where did I? I knew I write all, wrote all these down. Um, well, it doesn't matter. But the point is, oh, there we go. Joseph Osai was their only first team All Big Twelve defender. He opted out. Um, Chris Brown opted out, and he, I believe, was their only second team All Big Twelve, or maybe he was even just honorable mention. Um, but yeah, the the point is. They just don't have their good players. So that's going to make things tough on them. Um, Taquan Graham opted out, defensive lineman. Um, Joseph Osai, as I mentioned, the edge rusher, another first-round pick. He opted out. Chris Brown, the safety, opted out. And, and he was a revelation this year. You know, Caden Stearns, the safety, was supposed to be a first-round pick. He was supposed to be the best safety in the country, or at the very least, like, right up there with the best safeties. He struggled. He struggled tackling. He really, really struggled in, tackle, uh, in, uh, in coverage. Meanwhile, Chris Brown, the other safety, played very, very well, particularly in coverage. He was one of the best cover safeties in the Big 12. Um, and really moved up draft boards. Well, Caden Stearns, he opted out a couple of weeks ago, probably when he realized that playing football was really hurting his draft stock. Um, and for somebody like him, who's all about the physical traits, it's going to be about the combine. That's where you make noise. Um, now Chris Brown is out too. Um, one of their safeties, one of their backup safeties, who looked like probably would have been a starter this week, he decided to switch to wide receiver. Um, they moved a cornerback to safety this week, and he should be starting at safety. So this secondary is in flux. And it's not like it was a, an outstanding secondary before. You know, with the way they were playing, they were pretty good. They were, they were up there, but it wasn't one of the very best by any means. Um, and now that talent is gone. And really... What can scare you even more is that they had a scheme change this year. They went from a 3-3-5 to a 4-2-5, and it went pretty well. There were definitely some mistakes early on, but when you're bringing in three new faces in place of your three best defenders, you probably expect to see a couple more mistakes, a couple more blown coverages, and that could really open things up for Neuer. Um, just to put the loss of Joseph Osai in perspective, um, again, only first-team All-Big 12 defender. They also lost, I believe, their only... Yeah, it was their only uh, second-team All-Big 12 defender. Um, he had seven sacks this season. He had nine quarterback hits. He had 17 quarterback hurries. Um, Pro Football Focus also records stops. Um, and those are just plays that result in a failure for the offense. I'm not sure how that's defined, but I know that usually these advanced stats say um, first down, um, a failure failure is not picking up 50% of what is needed to get a first down. So on first and 10, that's five yards. Um, and then I think it goes to 75%. Oh, how does this work? Yeah, I think it's 75% on second down. Um, so if it's second and 10, you need seven and a half. Um, and then third down is obviously a hundred percent. Um, fourth down also, if you're on the field is a hundred percent. And so, um, stops is basically solo plays that stop the offense from being effective, um, on a given down based on what is the qualifiers. You guys understand what I'm saying. Um, Joseph Osai had 36 of those stops. DeMarvion uh, Overshone, who is probably the best defender now, he's a linebacker, had 26. Juwan Mitchell had 23. Next best was 14. And so that kind of puts into perspective just how important Joseph Osai was to this defense. You know, I mentioned the seven sacks. There are only two other players on this defense with multiple sacks this season. Both of them have two sacks this season. 
Joseph Osai was a very big reason. I mean, he was the pass rush. Nobody else was able to get the quarterback on the ground. They were able to get in the backfield, cause him havoc. But Joseph Osai was their finisher, and somebody else is going to have to step up. And I don't know who that is. You know, they're, they're, they have some, like a five-star, I think, who's likely to take his spot. But he hasn't really played at all in his career I think he's a sophomore, maybe a redshirt freshman, something like that. Um, they have some big boys who can fill in for Taquan Graham inside. Um, but again, they aren't as good overall. Otherwise, they would have been playing. Um, and on top of that, Texas is giving up 135 rushing yards per game this season. When you get rid of Osai and Taquan Graham, I mean, at the very, very least, two of their three best run defenders, you could easily say that basically makes them a 150, 155 yard per game rushing defense. And Colorado is right up there with the best runners they've seen. You know, I just watched the Iowa State game with Brees Hall, who's incredible. I think Jared Broussard can, he can replicate that. I don't think that that difference is all that big. Um, yeah. Um, oh, Here's a couple numbers. Let's see. Um, in terms of the rushing, uh, Tom Herman in his career with Texas has only lost once when he's got, oh, this is not the stat I want, when he's gotten a 100-yard rusher. So obviously if the, if the buffs can keep um, Texas from having a 100-yard rusher, that would be huge. Um, where's the 100 yards rushing stat? I know I wrote it down. Um, okay, maybe I'm just crazy. Oh, oh, there it is. Uh, since the start of last year, Texas is eight and zero when keeping opponents under 100 rushing yards. Um, they're 17 and two with uh oh Elijah Vera Tucker just uh declared for the draft. So did Semi Fioco. Whole bunch of Pac-12 guys. We'll we'll do a whole podcast on that eventually. Um, but. Yeah, 8-0 since 2019 when keeping opponents under 100 rushing yards. 17-2 with Tom Herman as coach when keeping opponents under 100 rushing yards. That's a big number in this game. Got to get to 100. Again, if, if, if you're not getting to 150, you're probably going to struggle. You're putting a lot of pressure on Sam Neuer um, because what got this team here is running the football really well. Um, um, let's just run through all these stats because I just pulled some good ones from the Texas notes for this week. Tom Herman, 11-2 in his career uh, with more than a week to prepare for a game. Um, obviously, that is the case this week. He's also never lost a bowl game. Um, and in those bowl games, only one has been a one-score game. I think they won one like 31-24 to or something like that. Um, they're 4-1 this season when scoring 40-plus points. Pretty crazy to think that they've scored 40 points in five of nine games. Um that's what you're looking at, though. This is an up-tempo, explosive offense. They're going to put up points. There are going to be a lot of possessions. They're not going to burn a whole lot of clock. Um, Colorado is going to have to keep up. You know, when you look at Tom Herman's career numbers, what you really want to do is keep them under 30 points. Um, that is where you see a huge turning point. Um, another number like that is three turnovers. If you can force three turnovers, you're in a really good spot on either side of the ball. If you can get to three, if you can keep it under three offensively, things look really good. Um, you know, the, the, the comeback numbers are all really incredible. There are all sorts of stats with the comebacks, you know, that's, that's Sam Ellinger. That's what they have at quarterback is if, if they're down in a game, that game is not over. Sam Ellinger is going to get you back in that game and he's probably going to win it for you. This is a team that is based very much on that there. I have in my notes, they are all heart, um, forcing overtimes, winning games in overtimes, um, Still, that is why I led with Sam Ellinger. That is why we're bringing it up again now. Sam Ellinger, if it's a close game, he is going to go win you that game. Um, that's not to say it's like necessarily over or anything. Like Sam Neuer is going to have a chance to match it or put him in a position where he can't do it, all that kind of stuff. But if, if you're going down to the end of this game and it's a close game, th that turns into Sam Neuer versus Sam Ellinger. And... 
I'm, I don't, I'm not going to put it past Sam Neuer, like, because I, I really do think he is very similar to Sam Ellinger in a lot of ways, both in what he is as a quarterback, as a runner, and just who he is as a person and how his team responds to him. Um, honestly, Sam Ellinger might be the best comparison. I mean, maybe even that's upside. Uh, I don't know, because Sam Neuer, like I said, he does have a little bit more zip on the ball. He can make a couple throws that would be really risky for Sam Ellinger to try, um, it's going to be really fun to watch these quarterbacks go back and forth, though. Um, what else do we have here? Um, under Tom Herman, Texas is 26-2 and when outgaining opponents in, in terms of yards. Um, if they get more yards than you, they win. And big reason for that is because they really win the turnover battle. Um, they have the... They have the fewest turnovers in the Big 12 since 2017. Um, they have the most points off those turnovers um, in the Big 12 in that same time. Most points off turnovers. Uh, oh, and there it is. They're 20-4 and four when winning the turnover battle under Herman. Um, so those are all the big numbers. Those are all the big numbers. Um, Got to win the turnovers. Be nice to win the yards. And really just keeping pace, not... What you really can't do is let Texas get up big early. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything I wanted. And again, it's a very up-tempo offense. They can score really quick, quickly. Um, yeah, just a couple of names to watch out for, I guess. Let's all throw those out there. Um, Cade Brewer, the tight end, um, he's one to watch especially now that a bunch of the, I mean, they're going to have to spread the ball around. Brandon Eagles isn't going to be out there, and that's a huge loss. Um, Cade Brewer is somebody to watch. Um, Keandre Coburn, the nose tackles, made some plays. He's more of a big clogger than anything. Um, but when it comes to this running game, you know, this is going to be an assignment that's going to be a challenge for Colby Purcell, and that's going to be a great battle to watch. Um, Deshaun Jameson, the returner, he's been electric. Um, Josh Moore, slot receiver, his role in this offense is going to increase, obviously, without Brennan Eagles. Uh, he's their slot guy. He's a really good slot guy. He should be. He hasn't, he has, hasn't produced the way you'd want him to. Um, then again, DeMarvion Overshone, the linebacker. Um, Bijan Robinson, the running back. Um Yeah, it is crazy to think, though, that this team had one first-team All-Big 12 offensive player, one first-team All-Big 12 defensive player, um, one each on the second team, and three of those four guys opted out. Um, so, yeah. Before we close this podcast out with some more notes on Colorado's side, um, I want to talk about WGT Golf. WGT is not only the most popular golf game in the world, it's also the official gaming partner of DNVR. It has become so popular that we've opened a fourth DNVR country club, and each country club holds 250 people. So, if you don't want to feel left out anymore, you can download the WGT app and join the DNVR4 country club by going to dnvrgolf.com. We host weekly tournaments with awesome giveaways, so make sure you're signed up to win easy money and beautiful DNVR swag. Uh, WGT Golf is the most realistic free golf game loved by more than 20 million players around the world. You can play WGT Golf in the comfort of your couch or anywhere on the go using your phone, your tablet, your computer, anything. Um, there are so many great courses, so many great game modes. Uh, you can play closest to the hole at Bethpage Black or Stroke Play at St. Andrews, whatever. The Bandon Dunes, Wolf Creek, they actually have a top golf game mode. Um, a lot of great games. Make sure that you uh, join. Make sure you join the DMVR Country Club. Um, and you can do that by going to dmvrgolf.com and downloading WGT Golf today. All right. Um, oh, actually, there was one more note. Um, because so much of the storyline with Texas is the opt-outs, um, I wanted to save this note from Carl uh, talking about what the opt-outs mean for the buffs. Um and then I forgot before I went to break. So when he was asked about it, he said, 
you start with the scheme because the schemes are not going to change and they have good quality depth. They have a lot of guys who can step in and play. Um, and what they're dealing with is similar to what CU has been dealing with for a lot of the season with young players who are getting experience um, when maybe they aren't totally ready for that experience. Um, and again, studying the schemes is what they need to do. And here's something interesting that he said. We have to remember that there might be some wrinkles but that's the same thing with us, too. That'll get you on the edge of your seat. What are the buffs going to do? What are their wrinkles? Um, maybe a little bit of option. Maybe uh, Who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens. A um, couple of notes, though, before we get out of here from Colorado. Like I mentioned earlier, Janaz Jordan is listed as co-starter with Jalen Sami at nose tackle. I think that's kind of interesting. Not many other changes with the depth chart. Um one thing I did notice, Carson Lee listed as the number two um, left guard, I believe. At the same time, Kanan Ray is the number two right guard, and if either of the guards get hurt, um, it's likely just going to be Kanan Ray that gets in. Still, fun to see a, a true freshman moving up um, through the uh, depth chart. Um, where did these call around? There we go. Um, oh, a third down defense note. Last year... Opponents converted 47.4% of third downs against Colorado. This year, 33.8%. And on top of that, opponents are only 7 of 20 on third and 1 to 4. So 4 yards or less on third down. Buffs have gotten stops 13 and 20 times. Those are really impressive numbers. Some of the best in the country. Um, they're 6th in pass efficiency defense which is pretty crazy, and the way that's calculated, I'm actually not sure about, um, but it is what we've seen, and a lot of the reason for that has been the pass rush that the Buffs have gotten, putting the offensive players in tough situations, um, getting the sacks, um, but it's interesting to see that they have graded that highly, sixth in pass efficiency defense compared to 121st last year so that's a huge step in the right direction um worth noting that the last alamo bowl team they were fifth in pass efficiency defense in the country um that is a very notable secondary with a lot of big names who are playing then um interesting numbers um also there are only six teams in the country that have attempted more runs per game which is you know, based on how some of the narratives have gone with chefs play calling, all that kind of stuff, you wouldn't expect that. Especially we consider that of the five teams who are in front of Colorado, three of them are Air Force, Navy, and Army, all triple option schools. So Colorado's running the ball more than just about anybody else in the country. Um, oh, uh, Darion Rakestraw, Akil Jones, and Sam Neuer, the only three players who were... Uh, at the Alamo Bowl in 2016 or on the roster for the Alamo Bowl in 2016. Um, also, John Van Deest. I should have said this when we were talking about the uh, the depth chart notes. They have him listed as the starter in Nate Lamon's place. Marvin Ham and uh, Quinn Perry are the backups. I still think it's going to be a rotation of those three guys giving everybody an opportunity. Maybe that's how first half goes. They just rotate drives. And then the second half... They know who they're going to ride with. Um, but, yeah, that's what's going on there. Um, That's all I have in my notes for this one. So I guess maybe that means it's time for me to stop talking. Uh, appreciate you all for listening. Again, you guys can tune in tonight after the Colorado-Arizona game. We're going to have a live post-game show, the DMVR Buffs Twitter account on the DMVR YouTube page. So tune in for that. And we'll be doing the same thing after the Alamo Bowl tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's the plan, and we'll see you guys tonight. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's 
I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh -huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hey, hey. you on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with ya, you can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the last. Yeah. My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring.